Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. It is good to see you guys already in the chat. We got a great show scheduled for today. It is Thursday, so we're going to have our Thursdays with Farzee. Mark Farzetta will be joining the show around 1020 today. Got a lot to talk to him about. And we are getting close to Sunday, 425, Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles at the link. Really doesn't get better than this, guys. It really doesn't get better than this. Let's get a little roll call, see who's here for the power hour today. I see Q-Ball the bird in the house. What is up, my man? FF Explorer. Appreciate the kind words. Twiz already here. Peter Doty with a Dallas sucks to start the day. Chuck Hutton, good morning to you. JM, the new music is a good upgrade. That's right. See? Ask and you shall receive, JM. You wanted power hour music? We delivered. Bobby Murphy, good morning. Who else we got here today? Can't believe it's November already. Anybody else wake up? A little frost out there on the grass. It's officially football season, baby. It is officially football season. Timothy Walker, good morning. Decoy Gaming, what's up? Vince Engelking, good morning to you. Fly Parks, Power Hour. And I saw some of you guys, I filled in for a few minutes on Birds 365 just now with John McMullen. And tomorrow I'll be doing the second hour on Birds 365 from 9 to 10 before this show. So be sure to check out Birds 365 as well. Good morning, Rich McClatchy. Peter Doty complaining it's cold in Tampa. I doubt it is as cold as it is here. I'm actually going to try to go golfing today, guys, after this. So that's why I'm a little uh, bundled up. But let's get into it. Like I said, we got a great show scheduled today. we got Mark Farzetta joining the show about 10.20 like he does every Thursday. Good morning, WCBJJ from Southern Indiana. I love it. But let's get right into it. I want to talk about the Philadelphia Flyers very briefly. They got our hopes up a little bit to start the season. They were playing hard. They're still playing hard, but they're losing close games. They have now lost their third straight, another one where they lose it late in the third period. And five of their six, they've lost five out of six. And you look at those six games, they're only being outscored 25-20. So they're playing. They're just losing some tight games. And to throw salt in the wound last night, Carter Hart, had to leave the game early, 10 minutes in, with a mid-body injury. Always love hockey, guys, with the way they describe the injuries. It's never, you know, an ankle or a shoulder. It's upper body, mid-body, lower body. That's it. That's all they give you. But he was he's having a great year, so let's hope Carter Hart is, is, is healthy and this isn't a long-term thing. He's got a 2.3 goals against, a 921 save percentage. But... That's it. I know we don't have a lot of Flyers fans in the chat, but that's my daily Flyers talk right there. 
Also, Daryl Morey talked about the the James Harden trade for the 76ers. And I don't know if you guys saw his quote, but basically what I got out of that was they're in a wait and see. They're going to see how this season goes. They have assets. They've freed up enough cap space that we will see what their needs are as it gets closer to the trade deadline. But what I really took from that was we're going to wait to see who becomes available at the trade deadline. So I think all this Sixers team needs to do is do what you've been doing the first three games. Stay competitive, win enough games to stay in the playoff mix, and then let's see who becomes available at the trade deadline because the Sixers certainly have the assets now, getting two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a pick swap, that they could do something at the trade deadline to add to this team. I want to talk to Farzi about his opinion on that trade as well. And then this offseason, we know every player. I think the only people on the 76ers who are still under contract next year, if I'm not mistaken, are Embiid. And there's one more. I'm forgetting who it is. Even Maxi is not under contract, but you know they're going to re-sign Maxi. They better freaking bring back Maxi. But I'm looking to see here. I think that they pretty much have everybody on expiring contracts except for Embiid. And who's the other one? I was looking here this morning. Paul Reed and Jaden Springer. They're the only people on the team who are not on expiring contracts. So they're going to have plenty of room. I think I saw yesterday somewhere between 50 to 65 million available next year. There's a few players that are becoming free agents next year. Pascal Siakam will be a free agent. Clay Thompson will be a free agent. Fans are already talking about Zach Levine, if they can get him in a trade. So we'll see what happens with the Sixers. But for once, finally, we have some options as Sixers fans. It felt like since they made that trade for Harden, they were really handcuffed. They couldn't get in any discussions. They couldn't do anything. They didn't have any capital. They didn't have any space. So at least they have some options with our 76ers. Rich McClatchy, 38 degrees in the panhandle of Florida. Is it really that cold down there? Yeah, we got a high of 50 in Philly today. Crazy. I see Chuck Hutton more of a Flyers than a Sixers fan. You know, I'm probably more of a Flyers fan too. I mean, I'm a four-for-four guy. But if I'm probably going to rank them, it's probably Eagles way up top. And then the Flyers, just because that's how I grew up. I grew up. My family was obsessed with the Flyers. We watched every Flyers game growing up, and then it would be the Phils and the Sixers. But really, they're all pretty damn close, four for four. The only one I would say I give a a big edge to would be the Eagles. They're always at the top of the list for me, but definitely a four for four. True Savage, I see you in the chat. Thanks for checking in. (laughs) DeBlonde boy coming in from Canada. You want cold? It's minus 10 here in Canada. Damn. Damn. Crawley X26, Siakam and Clay, hard pass. Yeah, I don't know if that moves the needle for us or not. We'll have to see. But we'll keep monitoring those Sixers. We'll keep watching. They got a game tonight. But then let's talk about our Phillies. Before we get into the Eagles, and then we'll go heavy on the Eagles, obviously. But last night, this may be breaking news to a lot of people, 
the Texas Rangers win the World Series last night. And the reason why I say it may be breaking news to a lot of people, because I don't know if there were more than about 25 people who watched that World Series. I will be honest with you, I didn't watch a single pitch of the World Series. I had absolute zero interest in that game. Did anybody in the chat actually watch the World Series or any game of the World Series? Crowley didn't watch. MC would have go Rangers. But did anybody actually watch those games? I mean, it's it's unfortunate. It really is. You know, Major League Baseball had to be disappointed with the way that all turned out. But my producer's in the chat telling me he watched. He's a big baseball fan. He watched, but anybody else? Bobby Murphy, zero interest. I mean, it was, I just had zero interest. But the good news is the season's over. And now we can start looking forward to next season. We can flush what happened in the NLCS and look forward to next season. And the odds are already out for your World Series favorites next year. And the Philadelphia Phillies have the fifth best odds right now to win the World Series next season. I'll take it. I'll take it. Teams ahead of them, the Braves, they're the top. They have the best odds the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series. Coming in second, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Then you have the Houston Astros, the Texas Rangers, and our fighting Phils. So not only do they have the fifth best odds to win the World Series, they have the third best odds to represent the National League in the World Series. Now, all of this is going to change the moment Otani signs with a team. Because depending on where Otani signs, these odds are going to change significantly because he is that damn good. And really, look, I don't say this a lot of, about a lot of players who are not on our Philadelphia teams, but watch Otani play baseball, guys, because what you are seeing from a guy like him probably hasn't been seen ever since Babe Ruth and may never get seen again with what Otani does on a baseball field. So if you have an opportunity to watch him play, wherever he goes, take that opportunity because you may never see a player like him again. And it's just so frustrating that the Angels continue to suck with the players they have. They basically wasted Mike Trout's career. Then they have a player like Otani, and they can't do anything. And they're sitting here now going into next season 60-1 to to win the World Series. 60-1. to Phillies are 10 to 1 right now. Like I said, fifth best odds, but it's 10 to 1. And they got the Los Angeles Angels at 60 to 1. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But guys, let's switch over. That's our daily Flyers, Sixers, Phillies talk. But let's switch over to our Philadelphia Eagles. The big news yesterday were some injury updates. And the biggest two for me first off, Cam Jurgens, Philadelphia Eagles open his 21 day practice window. That means he is eligible to return this week against the Dallas Cowboys, and that could be huge. Because if you guys were tuned in on Birds 365, you heard me talking with John McMullen about it, and you know my concerns with this running game over the last five weeks. You look at from when Cam Jurgens went out. Well, Jurgens was here week two and week three. In week two. Philadelphia Eagles ran for 259 yards, 6.2 yards a carry for our running backs. 
Week three, 201 yards, 5.8 yards per carry for our running backs. He gets hurt in the middle of that Washington Commanders game in week four. Well, let's look at the next four games after he goes out. 3.6 yards per carry for the running backs. 2.35, 3.4, and then 2.9. Now, I don't know if it's all because of Cam Jurgens, but that certainly did not help this running game with how good Cam Jurgens was playing at that right guard position. So big news that they activated his practice window. It'll be great to see him play this week because we're going to continue to break down this matchup, especially tomorrow on our football Friday. But I just posted a video to my Instagram. And if you're not already following, I say it every week, head on over at legal hands to the face or on Twitter at Bill Calarulo. Give me a follow. But I just posted a video about the key to this game is establishing the run and establishing it early. I'll break this down tomorrow, but I know some people in the chat are already going to say, this isn't the NFL of 20 years ago. Stop pushing the run. Stop pushing the run. It's a pass-heavy league. Not against this Cowboys team. This Cowboys defense is extremely good. They are number four in the NFL in passing yards against, but they are number 18 against the run. And I went back and watched all of the games that they've played so far this season, and you look at the way they win games and you look at the way they lose games. The San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals dominated them on the run. Arizona put up 222 yards on the ground. The San Francisco 49ers put up 170 yards rushing on the ground. And we'll talk about that more tomorrow. But you look... Cowboys, five wins. All five of those teams are in the bottom half of the league in rushing offense. They have two losses. Both of those teams, top five in rushing offense. It's not a coincidence, guys. And you look at how opportunistic this Dallas Cowboys defense is, man. They know how to turn the ball over, especially in the passing game, in the top four in the NFL in interceptions with nine and they score points off of their turnovers. Deron Bland, three pick sixes already this season. So we'll talk more tomorrow. But this Philadelphia Eagles team established the run, established it early, and Cam Jurgens, hopefully being able to play, will be a big, big help. But I said there were two injury updates that had me excited. First was Cam Jurgens, The other, Jalen Carter, full participant yesterday, in practice. So it looks like Jalen Carter is on track to play this week at Dallas. Huge. Huge. Looking at the chat here. Fly Parks got to run the ball versus the Cowboys. Common sense keeps Dak off the field and Cowboys can't stop the run. Spot on, man. MC. Not sure if you're being sarcastic here or not, but I hope we go under center with Stoll at fullback. Mash. I don't think that's going to happen, brother. But the real deal, that injury report was useless. Well, it was an estimate because yesterday was a walkthrough. But the fact that Cam Jurgens has been activated from his 21-day practice window, Jalen Carter, full participant. Jordan Davis was limited. Sua Opeta was limited. Jack Stoll was limited. Milton Williams was limited. We saw him leave. The commander's game, he came back, so hopefully he'll be okay. 
But some big ones of who did not practice again, and we talked about it on Birds 365, me and John McMullen, no Bradley Roby again. That could be big for this game because who plays the slot corner position this week with how the Dallas Cowboys love to line up C.D. Lamb everywhere, especially coming out of that slot, and he is very good. But Roby did not practice. WCBJJ, right on, right on time, man, with that comment, asking if Roby practiced at the slot corner is what concerns me this week. That is the truth, man. But Grant Calcaterra also did not practice with a concussion. Boston Scott was out for personal reasons. But we'll see what they do at the slot position. We'll get another update on the injuries this today. So we'll see how that goes. But big injury news coming out of Dallas, guys. So although we're worried about our guys getting healthy, they got some injury problems in Dallas. Left tackle Tyrone Smith, who's one of the best left tackles in the league when healthy, didn't play last week, did not practice yesterday. That could be a huge loss for the Dallas Cowboys going up against Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat this week if they don't have their starting left tackle. And interestingly, their backup left tackle, Chuma Adoga, also didn't practice with an ankle. So we'll see. Michael Gallup, one of their receivers, was out with an illness, and safety Javon Curse was out with a toe injury. But the big one for me is Tyrone Smith. If you're a Cowboys fan, you know you need him to play. You know you need him to play against this team. But, guys, when we get back, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we are going to be joined by my main man, Mark Farzetta, who joins us every Thursday. We got a lot to talk to him about. I want to just briefly talk to him. You know how much of a baseball fan Farzy is does the Phillies postgame show here on the Jacob Sports Network. So I just want to get his take on that World Series, see if he watched it, and then what he thinks of the Phillies' odds to win the World Series. want to get his opinion on the 76ers trade of James Harden and what he thinks that may mean for the future of this team. And then obviously we'll go heavy Eagles, Cowboys, and this gauntlet of six games coming up for the Philadelphia Eagles. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Mark Barzetta. I think. Xander? <laughs> I guess Xander took a bathroom break. So my producer was supposed to be going to break now, but we'll stay. We'll hang a little bit more. We'll hang a little more. But jumping back to the teams that were able to beat the Dallas. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. And my favorite part of the week are Thursdays with Farzee. Mark Farzetta in the house. What's going on, my brother? What's happening, friend? Do you, you select your own music, your, your bounce back music? Do you, you select that yourself? You like that, don't you? That's, it's got a nice beat to it. It's got a nice like beat that. to it, my friend. Oh, hell yeah, my friend. Hell yeah. What's going on, Bill? All good, my man. It's Cowboys <laughs> week, so it's a great, great week. Is it? Is it Cowboys week? And I gotta say, gotta say, it's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling the Cowboys week like I have in past weeks, uh, past Cowboys weeks. I don't know if it was the James Harden deal. I don't know if it was the Buzzkill Phillies. I don't know. But I gotta say, as much as I'm hyped for Sunday, I don't, I'm not feeling it like I usually feel it for Cowboy week. I don't know about you, my friend. That's, that's just the buzz I'm getting. I don't know, man. I've been posting daily content on my on my instagram cowboys eagle stuff and the fans are ready man the fans right. are ready all right so i'm gonna get your favorite eagles cowboys memory in a second because i got the people in the chat yesterday i gave them my favorite but before we do you mentioned the james harden trade yeah. i know you've been all over this talking sixers on your morning show and guys if you haven't checked out the farzy show every day from six to seven you're really missing out but farzy What's your take on this? You happy with this trade? You you excited about what they got in return I, for Harden? I, I am excited for what it could be. I, I I think this is the best possible deal that the Sixers were going to get. So any report that's out there of Josh Harris calling Steve Ballmer, first off, I would have loved to have heard the recording. Like I would have loved the wiretap of the two totally different vibes coming from Steve Ballmer and, and uh, Josh Harris. But either way, two first-round picks is huge. But the biggest part of all of this – is the growth that the 76, the room for growth the Sixers have acquired in allowing Tyrese Maxey to grow. That's the, the, the room that has been acquired by shipping off James Harden, getting on, moving on from this story, bringing in the assets and all that stuff is great. But I can't wait. Like before the season, I said I needed two things to happen. Number one was move James Harden. It was the most obvious thing he could have said about the season. But number two was I need to see Tyrese Maxey make an all-star team. 
And and now watching the way he's played through one week, I might have been lowballing him. We could be talking about a guy who's in you know the top ten for MVP conversation as the season winds down. You know, so we'll we'll get to that point. But as of right now, this guy is playing off the charts. So I wanted the Sixers bottom line after they lost to the Celtics. I wanted them to have that gap year as it became known. And I think right now with the Sixers and Tyrese Maxey, they're essentially going to get that, but with more bench help with uh, Oubre, who has been great so far, and then in this deal, bringing in Marcus Morris and also being able to acquire uh, K.J. Martin as well, a veteran like Nicholas Batum. I, I love all of it. So as of right now, I think this is the best possible deal the Sixers could have get could have gotten. I love what it means for Tyrese Maxey, and I love what it means for the upcoming deadline, and I love what it means for the upcoming free agency season uh, going into next summer with his Woj just putting out there 50 to $65 million worth of cap space that the Sixers could be looking at. So I think it's all positives. I think the Sixers are going to come out of this smelling like roses. It's just a matter of whether or not we're going to be throwing roses at a championship parade in the not-too-distant future. And when you talk about Tyrese Maxey, the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, Tyrese Maxey, come on, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got to put the respect on his name, you know. Uh, I... I, when I made the prediction, I made five, five statements about the season that I needed to see in order to take something away. Now, let me just say this. They're not better than the Bucs yet. They're not better than the Celtics yet. They got a lot of work to do before they get to that point. But if they're going to get bounced out of the second round again, which is kind of where I see this going, I still need to see Maxi as an all-star. I needed to see Harden gone. I needed to see Joel Embiid want to stick around. Uh, I wanted to see them acquire some assets for Harden, and they have certainly gotten that. So, as of right now, it's been a very good first week of the Sixers season. I said it yesterday. I'm just so happy that we finally have some options. Because after they made that Harden deal, they had no assets. They had no cap space. It was like you couldn't even get in. A player would become available, and it was, the Sixers couldn't even get in conversations because they just didn't have any assets. So at least we have options to be right. excited about the future. But I agree with you. We'll see now what they turn this into. I mean, it was interesting if you saw Daryl Morey yesterday. One of the quotes he had was, I'm not willing to concede anything, yeah. but if you ask 100 people, they'd say the Celtics and the Bucks are better than us right now. <laughs> yeah. He didn't ask me, but I would be 101 people, and they are, and they are. But look, here's the thing. You knew what the Sixers were with James Harden. You don't know what the Sixers are with Tyrese Maxey. You don't know what they are yet. If he has this much more room to grow, if he has been given this much opportunity to be that number two guy or that 1A guy – next to Joel Embiid, then there's no telling how good this team could be. And also, what people forget is how much better of a coach Nick Nurse is than Doc Rivers. Already, I'm seeing Tobias Harris play at a level that we haven't seen him play at since he was a member of the Clippers under Doc Rivers, ironically enough, all those years ago in Los Angeles. So if you're looking at Tobias Harris now with those numbers, you're looking at Tyrese Maxey dropping over 30 a game, hitting 58% from three, what the hell? And then the ability to cut to the basket the way he has the ability to do so. Oh, and you also have a guy who's the reigning MVP on the squad already. And like I mentioned, Kelly Oubre, who's now being moved into a starter's role, is great. And then having the help off the bench that you have. I, I This is going to be another team that I think is going to look at the number three seed in the Eastern Conference. But yes, unfortunately, still not better than the Bucs and still not better than the Celtics. It does help reset, as you pointed out earlier, the Harden and Simmons trade that happened a couple years ago. This helps reacquire those. God forbid I say it, but assets in return yeah. to do something big later. Still trusting the process, Farzi. <laughs> I, I never trusted the process. I, I gave it three years. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give this three years to build to break it down before they build it back up. And um, I, the difference between me and a hinkyite was a hinkyite wanted to give a blank check of time. Timeless 
You have a t- yeah. timeless to, to, to build, t- turn this into a winner. And I, I never believed in that. The team is always bigger than any personality on it. And in the chat, Farsi, people are asking, how's Farsi such a morning person? Does he drink Red Bull? I know the secret. Do you want to share the secret of how Farsi has so much energy? First off, a lot of it is natural. A lot of it is natural. Uh, But I do make sure I have my two espresso or espressi, I guess if I'm being, you know, uh, two two, uh, espresso before I uh, really do anything. And that helps me. That helps me get through a lot today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I do the two espresso in the morning, and then I usually like take. I think I like to take a nice little siesta, and then two espresso again, and then you know get ready for my show. Love it, love it. Well, let's switch to the Philadelphia Phillies and Major League Baseball because I know you're a big baseball <sighs> fan. I know you're a big Phillies fan. Yeah. But I asked the people in the chat. I didn't watch a single pitch of that World Series, man. Did you watch any of that World Series, Rangers Diamondbacks? I watched maybe a minute or two of every game. And I, it was one of those things where it was like, a, it was like a, 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 you're a scorned lover. <laughs> you're like, I was like, I can't even, look. I can't look. Second was, in, yeah. Exactly. It was just like, I was experiencing the heartbreak all over again. And then they lose in five games. And I'm like the Phillies. I predict the Phillies are going to win in five games over the Diamondbacks. So watching that. And then of course, watching them get their tail handed to them. I'm like, well, the Phillies could have done this, you know? Um, I didn't yeah. think the Phillies were going to win the World Series if they made the World Series. But the bottom line is, at least you didn't take a step backwards. At least you made it to the same spot you were at. Um, I think next year is still going to be a really good year for the Phillies. I think they're going to give us a lot of hope. I think they're going to be another playoff team and blah, blah, blah. But looking at this World Series, I can't help it, and I should hate the guy. I love Bruce Bochy. I, I think he is such a phenomenal manager, and I was happy that he won again. I know people always oh, won again. Yeah, I was happy he won. Um, I... I don't root for the team that knocked you out, but I definitely pull for the team that knocked you out. So I wanted the Diamondbacks to win. I didn't think they did. I didn't think they were going to. And obviously the Rangers made quick work of that, but it does still really sting. And I look back on it and here we are a couple of weeks, you know, what a week and a half removed two uh, two weeks removed. And it's still, it still just stings because the Phillies were supposed to be, they were supposed to take off from where they left off last year. And they didn't do that. They took a step backwards. And the thing that I think a lot of Phillies fans think about, uh, myself included, is when you watched Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, Jimmy Rollins, and those guys, and Chooch get better, and they they made the playoffs in 07. They won in 2008. And then they progressively took definitive steps backwards, g- going to World Series but losing it, going to the NLCS, losing it, going to the NLDS, losing it. It was like they continued to take steps backwards. And now this Phillies team, went from not only just making the playoffs, but making it to a World Series, and then not even making it to the World Series. So you hope that doesn't start the trend that we saw years ago with the Rollins, Howard, Utley, uh, Phillies all those years ago. Yeah, and they just announced the odds for next year's World Series, and I'm okay with where the Phillies are. They have the fifth best odds to win the World Series, the third best odds to make it back from the National League to the World Series. So I'll take it. What do you think? I think no, I think that, I think that's fair. I think um, long and short of it is, I think Reese Hoskins has already played his last game as a Philly. Yeah. Uh, I think Aaron Nola will be back in the event nobody breaks the bank, and I know he's going to be one of the best pitchers out there on the open market. He could be eyeing about thirty million a year. He's going to be right around that mark, and if you look at a guy like uh, Carlos Rodon, who signed with the Yankees. Before last year, I think that was about a six-year, twenty-seven million per season, and I think Nola is going to be right around there. If it's close, I hate using the term hometown discount. 
it's more about a player not wanting to move on from a franchise he really likes. And this is the only franchise, obviously, that he has known. Yeah, I expect him to test the waters of free agency, and he should. Everybody should. But ultimately, I think it's going to come down to if it's close, he's going to stay in Philadelphia. And then also, let's not forget, it's a chance to win. He has a chance to win here in Philadelphia. So we'll see what happens, but I said this right before you came on the show, too, that those odds I just gave you are going to change massively depending on where Otani signs because that guy's just oh. an absolute beast. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got to keep in mind, not going to pitch, uh, but still, the 40-some home runs ain't bad either. Yeah, he's pretty damn good. All right, let's go. It's Cowboys week. Let's switch to our Philadelphia Eagles. Let's talk a little Eagles with Farsi. So yesterday I asked everybody on the show, what is your favorite Eagles-Cowboys memory over the years. I gave them mine. I'll tell you what mine was. It was the year after the disastrous season with Terrell Owens. He signs in Dallas. I'm <laughs> down on the sidelines. It's my first game working for the team. Wow. There's 34 seconds left in the game. Cowboys have the ball at the six-yard line, down by seven. Bledsoe drops back, throws an interception to Lito Shepard. He takes it 102 yards the other way. And I sang yesterday. I'll sing again today. And the whole link is singing, Lido. Awesome. awesome game. But what's Farzee's favorite Cowboys? Well, first off, hell of a job hitting that note, my friend. Holy <laughs> Lord. I didn't even know you had it in you. Um, but uh, uh, my favorite moment with the like, – so they go on Monday night. And I know the big play is the 14-second scramble with Donovan McNabb behind the line of scrimmage. The and Fred X. Fred X hitting Fred X down the field. But that game was such a statement game for the Eagles because if you remember, that was the T.O. year. It was uh, – you, you were 7-1, I believe it was 6-1 going into that game. You had just lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you saw the back and forth of Donovan and T.O., going back on the sidelines in Pittsburgh. You know, and it was like, okay, is this where it all comes apart? Is this what everyone warned us about, where it all falls apart? And, man, they went into Dallas, and they spanked them on Monday night. That game, that scramble, getting to know Trey Thomas, following that, uh, you know, in years they were following that game, I remember asking him on the 14-second scramble, what did you, like, what was going through your mind? And he was like, block, 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 block. <laughs> Block. Oh, shoot. Here he comes again. Block some more. Here he comes again. Find somebody else to block. Like It was like I never thought about it from his perspective. But, yeah, that's what you're thinking for 14 seconds. So him hitting Fred X, uh, them winning that game in the in blowout fashion, that's a huge moment. There's a couple more. In 2000, uh, about 2008, to cap off the season, I think it was the Tony Romo game where, you're tell where he's telling the punt team to stay off the field because he wants to go for it, that idiot. He wants to go for it, and they end up not getting it. Um, and the Eagles come up a win short of the Super Bowl, unfortunately, in all Pennsylvania Super Bowl, it would have been. And then a random moment that comes to mind is Brian Westbrook hitting the ground to not score a touchdown yeah. because John Running was yelling, get down, get down. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And he gets down, and they don't score the touchdown. Because uh, then he would have given the ball back to Dallas. They would have had an opportunity to come back. But if they just run off the clock, they have no chance. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of awesome memories. And then, I, I generally speaking, from a fan base perspective, I'll never forget my buddy Jimmy Wright coming into the sixth grade at Arlington Mount Carmel, and he came in after the Cowboys had just won. I think it was their second of the three Super Bowls, and he had a Dallas Cowboy hat on, and we all like sat back in our chairs and we just looked at him. We were like seriously seriously and then jimmy had a tough time making friends after that 
Yeah. Uh, but I just think we all had that moment where we all called out our first. It was like our first time we called out a Cowboys bandwagon fan. And we just still to this day, he's still a Cowboys fan. So at least I give him that. He's stuck it through over the last 20 years. But uh, yeah, those are those are memories that stick out of my head when I think about the Dallas Cowboys. Does he root for the Yankees and the Lakers too? Because those <laughs> no. usually all go. <laughs> no, with no, he's a Phillies fan, Philadelphia fan, everything else. That just, I don't get. I, I don't I have get a it either. Like that too. I don't get. It. I, I got it. My one cousin. Oh my goodness, he's a Tennessee fan. He's a Laker fan. He's a Cowboy fan. He's and and yeah, and a Yankee fan as well. Like the the, the fan. I tell him he's the worst fan that God ever created because it's, not only is it bandwagon, it makes no sense. There's no geological. He didn't go to Tennessee. He doesn't know anyone at Tennessee. He just likes Tennessee for some reason. Um, it's just the college. So I don't know. It's just. That's who he is, but whatever. It is what it is. So checking the chat during your your favorite memory, the real zeal remembered. This is a good memory on his part. The Monday night game against Dallas was the Nicolette Sheridan game. Do you remember the pregame? Oh, my What God. they did in the that locker room with Terrell house- Owens? The real housewives? <laughs> Hell, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, good memory, real zeal. <laughs> good memory. And then our girl Babs checking in, saying oh, good morning to Babs. me and you. What's up, Barbara? What's up, Babs? And then, uh, yeah, WCBJJ loved the Lido game as well as the 44-6 dismantling, the one you were talking about the last game of the season. And I remember that, too, because they needed – I talked about this yesterday. They needed the Raiders to beat someone at 1 o'clock for the Eagles to have to even win that game. If if the Raiders didn't win at 1, Eagles were out. Yeah, We found out on the sidelines – I was working with them at the time. We found out on the sidelines right before kickoff, win win and you're in. And they demolished the Cowboys, forty-four to six. But I got, I got another one, real quick. On that note, I can't remember if it was. The, I think it was the game before. Whatever was their latest loss leading into that game, Andy Reid was talking about their odds. Andy Reid was basically acting as if the Eagles were done. Yeah, like they didn't have a chance to make it. They were done. And I think it was Mark Eckel at the time from the Trenton Times, great guy, said at the t- said. Well, Andy, you know, mathematically, you still have a chance. And Andy thought he was kidding. Like, it came off as Andy Reid thought Mark Eckel was kidding because he thought he was eliminated. And I remember we took that clip and we, I mean, as you would, we ran with it in radio at the time. And we were like, hold on, the coach doesn't even know that they don't have a chance. This is worse than Donovan not even knowing that a game could end in a tie. Which was so, also that season. Which was also that season. So I was like, who's, what the, the, the hell? The tie got them in. The tie like, is what got them in the playoffs. It was crazy. Tie. Oh, I hate, hold on. Let me, hold on, let me stop right I hate that. Because if they would have won that game, which they should have, then we're not even talking about how a tie got them in. But you're right, not losing helped them get into the blah, blah, blah. But you understand, yeah. So, crazy. so yeah, Reed, I remember, did, Reed wasn't even sure. Reed didn't know that they hadn't been mathematically eliminated. They still had a very slim chance of making it, which obviously, obviously they did. And then they went all the way to that NFC Championship. I thought they had that game. Kevin Curtis was still tackled before the ball was there. It was pass interference. Anyway, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, it gets all worked up. Yeah. All right. So before we get into this particular week against the Dallas Cowboys, we have officially reached what I've been referring to as the gauntlet of the (laughs) Eagles schedule. These next six games, when the schedule came out in the offseason, we all looked at these six games and said, that is going to be a tough stretch. Mm -hmm. But – even though we didn't love that the Eagles lost to the New York Jets, they could be sitting here at 8-0. They're 7-1. and They did their job through the first eight games. What do you think this Philadelphia Eagles team needs to do in the next six weeks to give them a really good shot at being the number one seed in the NFC? Uh, I think I saw you put out the record, you know, be a 4-2 and two team at least. Yeah. Be a 4-2 and two team. I, 
in the general sense, I think about every game they played this season and how in every game they played this season, a lot of the times we have said things like, well, you can't play like that against an upper echelon team because that's going to come back and bite you. And essentially, when we get a lot of flack for that, when we talk about these games with a critical eye, right? When we get a lot of flack, oh, they won, right? Well, they won. Yeah, well, we don't care whether or not they're, you know, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We care about whether or not they can play like that against a team like the Dolphins, which they did, and they won, which was great. They showed their upper echelon to the Dolphins. And now they got to prove against the Chiefs. They got to prove it against this Cowboys team in your division and a team that's vying for also a top spot in the NFC as well. The Eagles have to prove that they are the elite teams. There's only a couple of them in the NFL. And the Eagles right now, obviously, it's 7-1 and one and coming off a Super Bowl appearance last year and a runner-up as the MVP and a quarterback. They have to prove yet again that they are an elite team in the NFL. So if you're any other, any other of these teams on the gauntlet, whether you're the Chiefs, whether you're the Bills, whether or not you're the Cowboys even, or the Seahawks even, or the 49ers even, you have to prove that you're elite. You're not a very good you're an elite team. You're a step above the rest. So they can't play like they played with the turnovers. They can't play like they played with coming up small in the red zone and expect to beat these upper echelon teams that they are now about to face in this gauntlet that you talk about. So that's something I'm going to be looking, looking at to see if they play sharp, if they play focus, if they avoid the mental mistakes. Because if they do that, then they will just prove through this gauntlet of games that they are absolutely an elite team in the NFL. You mentioned the San Francisco 49ers in there. And what are your thoughts about them making the trade for Chase Young and adding him to that defensive line? Yeah. Before you answer, I will say, I still think this Philadelphia Eagles team is better because I think our offense is better. I'd much rather have Jalen Hurts as our quarterback than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's a good quarterback. He's played really well, but Jalen Hurts is on a different level, in my opinion. But, man, that defensive line is scary for the San Francisco 49ers. What are it, your thoughts? It, it is. It, it absolutely is. And they made a hell of a deal. I give them all the credit in the world for being able to pull that off and bring him in and have him team up again with Nick Bosa, who, of course, they play together in college. And they're both, what, number two overall picks. So, yeah, that's one hell of a defensive line. Javon Hargrave is also, uh, how about this, rated just behind Jalen Carter for interior D linemen in terms of their overall grades this year by Pro Football Focus, which is incredible. Because my big ask was, hey, don't make, don't make me miss Javon Hargrave. Yeah. And Jalen Carter hasn't. Uh, but yeah, they are they are sick. And one of the theories that Seth Joyner had about facing, well, facing the teams later in the season and this six-game stretch and facing a team like the San Francisco Giants was, how come we're not seeing as many RPOs as we saw in the Shane Steichen era here in Philadelphia? Well, if you're going to go up and already face a, a defensive line that has Nick Bosa on it, if you're already going to face a defensive line that has Javon Hargrave on it, whatever, if you're going to face some of these good pass rushers like Micah Parsons, for instance, you want to make sure that you're kind of putting that RPO in your back pocket. You don't want to put any wrinkles that you threw into it on tape already before you face those great pass rushers that you're going to face. So my my thought was, is this the six-game stretch that we really start to see both the pass and run game predicated on the RPO? Because Jalen Hurts has flourished in that. We've, we've seen this offense flourish in it. Right now, without even using it all that much, nearly as much as you did a year ago, you're starting to see this team be, what, third in the NFL in terms of scoring points. So they're getting it done offensively. It's a matter of getting rid of those turnovers and not having high-risk throws that we've seen Jalen Hurts uh, throw uh, a couple of times this season, which has led to interceptions. So for me, I'm thinking that this is a six-game six stretch 
to piggyback off Seth Joyner's point, is a time where you could be seeing that RPO become a big part of this Eagles offense. And you mentioned the turnovers. This Dallas Cowboys team has been so opportunistic on defense, forcing turnovers, being top five in the NFL with 13 takeaways, but mm-hmm. top four with nine interceptions, and they score a lot of points on the defensive side of the ball. This is a big week where the Philadelphia Eagles have to protect the football. And one of the things I'd love to see them do, and I know there's different schools of thoughts on this about it's the modern NFL and it's not a running league anymore, but you just look at the numbers and you watch the first seven games of the Cowboys season, and the way to beat this team is to run the football. They're very good in pass defense. They're very good at interceptions. They're not very good against the run. And you look at the two teams that beat them. The Arizona Cardinals ran for 222. The San Francisco 49ers ran for 170 yards. Do you think we will see Brian Johnson and the Philadelphia Eagles commit commit to the run this week against the Dallas Cowboys? I... Every time I think they're going to do it, you end up not seeing it. Uh, this would be the game where I'll put it like this. If they don't, <laughs> no, really, <laughs> they're probably uh, never going to do it. They, if they don't do it in this particular game, I think the fans in South Philly riot. I think that's the way, especially if you get Cam Jurgens back uh, off IR. Obviously, they opened up the 21-day practice window with him. He's a great run blocker. Uh, the, the fact that Sue Opeta is, also, is, is a better run blocker than pass blocker, and they had him pass block so much is just odd to me. Uh, but yeah, getting Cam Jurgens back, there's no question that you have a fresh, uh, fresh backfield there. And also, like it or not, this story with uh, Jalen Hurts' knee, this is something that I am monitoring closely because he's a franchise quarterback and they don't go anywhere without him. So I would like to see them, especially with Micah Parsons lurking, with Leighton Vander Esch lurking, guys like that. I would love to see the Eagles be able to rely on that run game and rely on their offensive line to make sure that they're uh, opening up those gaps for guys like DeAndre Swift to run through. Um, and this would be the time to commit to it for a number of reasons. You can also keep an explosive offense off the field, and you're also keeping the ball um, out of the hands of Deron Bland, who has is tied. He's tied for the Cowboys' lead in touchdowns with three. That's insane as a corner. He's got more touchdowns than their tight end group combined. He's got more t- he's got more touchdowns than Tony Pollard on the season. Like that is bonkers, man. And if you can keep the ball away from him by running it more, I'm all in favor. If this is a game where Jalen Hurts only ends up with like 25 throws, I think the Eagles end up winning this game because that means they have relied on that run. They have uh, sustained yards, excuse me, they have sustained drives and kept that defense um, at bay uh, when it comes to the turnover battle. I think you're spot on, Farzi. And you look at this Dallas offense. Although they're averaging 28 points a game, which puts them at number two in the NFL, Mm -hmm. they're really not that high in any other offensive category other than third down. And then I'm like, well, how are they doing this? So I went back (laughs) and watched all of their games. Week one, they had a blocked field goal for a touchdown and an interception for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Week four, a fumble recovery for a touchdown and an interception for a touchdown. And then just now in week eight against the Rams, an interception for a touchdown, a safety, and then on the punt return, on the safety kickoff, they took it all the way down inside the red zone. So this team is putting up a lot of points because of that defense and because of what they're doing on special teams. 
we have to be concerned about C.D. Lamb, and I'm going to talk to you about that in a second. But really, we have to limit our turnovers, like you said. That's important every week, but even more so against this Dallas team, for sure. Mm-hmm. No, no, no doubt about it. And the other thing is, I know Prescott's been doing a better job with it this year in terms of not turning the football over. But I know in um, uh, in uh, against San Francisco, that was a huge problem, and he was. I mean, you talk about a quarterback looking shell shocked in that game against the San Francisco 49ers. Dak Prescott looked like he his eyes were rolling around in his head. He didn't know what was happening. He didn't know what was coming. And when I heard Nick Sirianni talk about it earlier yesterday, as a matter of fact, he was talking about, you know, he always tries a defense to confuse the quarterback. This would be a good time to uh, to try to do that. And this is going to be another test for Sean Desai because Dak Prescott, when pressured, Dak Prescott, when taken off his mark, Dak Prescott, when confused, will cough up the football at an alarming rate. So I know the Eagles have had the turnover issue, but Dak Prescott is a guy that if you shake him, he'll uh, he'll be pumping out a few uh, footballs in your favor. Dallas Cowboys, 5-2 five and two. in five wins, plus 10 turnover differential in two losses, minus four turnover wow. differential. So turnovers are going to win this game for sure. But let's go real quickly back to C.D. Lamb. We know the Cowboys like to move him around a lot. They like to line him up in the slot. Who do you think the Eagles put in the slot position this week? We saw them try Eli Ricks, Sidney Brown. Doesn't look like Bradley Roby is going to be healthy. No. Mark Farzetta, if you're Sean Desai, who's playing the slot corner this week? I think you have a medley of players on him. I think you're going to be giving him the different looks, which is what you do when you can't shut down a guy. Uh, so I think you're going to see Eli, Eli Ricks in there. I think you are going to see Sidney Brown in there. Um, now, Sidney Brown, as we both know, we've talked about many times before, he can bring the pain. He can hit. It's a question of whether or not he can cover. So that's where I think they use the different looks. Um, you could be seeing a guy like um, um, Kevin Byard coming into play in the slot occasionally uh, because of his versatility. That's something the Eagles in years past haven't shied away from. It's, it's a question of whether or not Sean Desai is going to follow suit uh, in that same regard. I wouldn't say it's going to be a lot, but I think you're going to see three looks. Mainly, I think it's going to be Sidney Brown. After that, it's going to be Eli Ricks, and then occasionally I think you'll see uh, Kevin uh, Byard brought down into the slot occasionally, but not often. That's the way I think they're going to go against them. And we talk about this all the time with running the ball, you know, in terms of are they going to commit to the run? Can we commit to a little, you know, jam coverage? Can we get a little you – know, can we get at the line of scrimmage? Can we take guys off their timing? Can we give the pass rush a, time, a second to get home and try to bring down Dak Prescott? That's something that we talk about all the time on offense about committing to the run. How about commit to a little press coverage right right out of the gate just to throw off that timing, just to be a little physical. If Sidney Brown is going to play even 30% of the slot corner snaps against CD Brown, or excuse me, against CD, uh, uh, CD Lamb, then the best thing he does is be physical. So let him be physical at the line. But I think he'll be one of three options. Him and Rex are the two main guys, and occasionally Byer will come down. I think you've been watching the football games too often with Seth Joyner with that. Get the get the corners <laughs> down to the line, but it's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, it bothered us so much last week watching that Commanders game. Me, you, and Seth, and and Degon. It's yeah. you see what Sam Howell's doing. He's trying to get the ball out of his hands extremely quickly. Why are you playing eight to ten yards off the football? It's, that was very very frustrating. But I'm not going to ask you uh, for a score yet. We'll get your prediction on the Jacob Sports pregame show, like we always do every Sunday. But, Farzi, I appreciate you joining us like you do every single Thursday. And 
What do you got planned? Anything good this weekend before Sunday? <laughs> Anything good? Uh, let, uh, let's see here. Yeah, as a matter of fact, Saturday, I'm going to be uh, hosting a charity event called Fostering for Hope. It's a, uh, a charity organization that raises money for um, foster children and families uh, in the Delaware Valley. And I am honored that this will be my third time hosting the event. I also host their live auction as well. So I'll be doing that on Saturday. And then, uh, you know, I got, I got some uh, painting to do. Got to paint the house. Going to watch the Sixers. Uh, Going to have some good times, man. You know, you know, a whole whole bunch of stuff this weekend. Love it. Well, make sure you get those espressos in you, dude. That's your... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm due for my spinach. next one. That's your I'm, Popeye spinach right I'm, there. <laughs> I'm due for my next uh, dosage uh, coming up at uh, like 3 o'clock. I think 3 o'clock is when I'll, I'll, I'll indulge for my third of the day. Awesome. Well, Farzi, appreciate the time, my man. I will see you on Sunday at the Ocean Casino. Guys, like I said, check out the Farzi Show every morning from 6 to 7. And be sure to check out me, Mark Farzetta, Seth Joyner, Derek Gunn, John McMullen, Mike Missinelli, and Kayla Santiago on game days right here on the Jacob Sports Network. I'll talk to you soon, my brother. Sounds good, my man. Thanks so much. See you. Have a good one. Always fun when we have Farzi join the show. But you guys nailed it right away. Farzee's got his energy, man, even up early in the morning. But he does that Farzee show every single day from 6 to 7, and he brings the energy for sure. But, look, we talked a little bit about it with Farzee. It's not rocket science this week. It really is not rocket science. You have a defense that's causing a lot of turnovers, especially through the air. They put up points on defense with these returns for touchdowns on interceptions. But they're not very good against the run. So you would think this should be an easy decision, an easy decision for Brian Johnson and this Philadelphia Eagles offense to really commit to the run this week. We asked for it in other weeks, but more than ever this week, looking at all of the numbers and even looking at the eye test, because I know stats don't always tell the story. But go back and watch the games that the Dallas Cowboys have played this week and look at what the other teams were able to do to them, what Arizona did and what San Francisco did. I think I gave you guys this stat the other day. In the five wins that the Cowboys have had, the opposing offenses rushed for 74 yards on average. And in their two losses, the opposing offenses rushed for 196 yards on average. And to dive even deeper into the numbers, and we'll do a deeper dive tomorrow, the two teams that beat the Dallas Cowboys this year, the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers, are the number four and number five topped rushing offense in the league. Four and five top rushing offense in the league. And the five teams they've beaten, 15th, 17th, 18th, 22nd, and 27th in the run. They beat teams that can't run the football, and they lose to teams who can run the football. So the Philadelphia Eagles, top seven rushing offense. We haven't seen it over the last couple of weeks, but this is the week to unleash that rushing offense. And we'll talk more about it tomorrow, guys, on our Football Friday as we break down all things tomorrow will be Eagles, Cowboys, previewing the matchups, offense, defense on both sides of the football. And you can't forget about special teams. They got a playmaker on their special teams unit on that Dallas Cowboys team. But, guys, I appreciate all of you being here today. It was a great show. If you can, do me a big favor. Hit that like button. 
before you guys head out the door. Not seeing enough likes on this show from all of you guys. Hit that like button for me. Let's try to reach as many Philadelphia sports fans as we can. And like I say, every single day, guys, it's an honor to be able to come to you every day for an hour and talk Philadelphia sports. So I appreciate you all being here. Be back here tomorrow. And don't forget, I will be hosting the second hour of Birds 365 tomorrow, filling in for John McMullen. So check out Birds 365 tomorrow morning. I'll be on at 9 a.m. with Jody Mack, leading us right into the Philly Sports Power Hour and our Football Friday. So guys, have a great night. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, go Birds. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.